You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I dropped an amazing episode with Dom Grimao of The Last Felony, Ion Dissonance, and Cryptopsy. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. What's going on, guys? Welcome to another episode of Pure Pleasure with Dewey Halpas on Adobe Radio and Jabberjaw Media. My name is Dewey, your host with the most, bringing you more great content week after week. This week, we have the fantastic Kyle Shutt from The Sword. And I know you guys have heard The Sword. Everyone's heard The Sword. Uh, Love this band. Love this band for a long time. Found them back on stonerrock.com back in the early 2000s, and they have been releasing records ever since. What a fantastic band. This band is, uh, they've done tours with Metallica. I mean, they have done everything. They've been everywhere. They've had tons of opportunities that are just fantastic, and they've jumped on every one of them, it seems like, and really carved out a name for themselves while changing almost every record being a new band. And this record is no different. Used Future is the new record on Razor and Tie, and it is straight up 70s rock and roll, like pure rock and roll greatness. And uh, I've I've heard the record already. It comes out this month, and it is absolutely amazing. You guys are going to love it too. Uh, we're going to play a little bit of music uh, for the intro, of course. Um, I don't think we have time to play an actual full track from the record, although you guys are going to want to pick this record up. Kyle is an awesome dude. Him and I have not met before, 
Um, this was brought to me from Curran uh, at The Chain. Now, The Chain is a PR company uh, with Curran. They have another partner, I believe, and then Justin Pearson from uh, The Locust and Retox and Dead Cross um, in the bunch as well. And a fantastic bunch of dudes. Justin's been on the show. We're going to have Curran on the show talking about uh, his career as well uh, coming up in the next few weeks. Uh, but stoked to have him on board with the show. Stoked to have Kyle on the show. And stoked for you guys to hear this as interview. It was really interesting because we had not met before. Um, and I didn't know a whole lot about him. And I learned a lot about him. And he's just a cool dude and, and uh, very open and honest. And has some pretty awesome stories. So hopefully... Uh, Hopefully you guys enjoy this one, but uh, let's get some business out of the way first. Uh, PeerPleasurePodcast.com is the website. You can find everything there from sponsors to episodes, uh, past episodes, news, blog, all that shit. So uh, PeerPleasurePodcast.com is the place to go for everything. Uh, We're also on the socials, on Instagram and uh, Facebook, all that stuff as well. Um, I know I don't keep up on Twitter very much because I still, like I said, don't understand it all the way. Uh, but it's a cool tool and uh, we'll be using that still going forward. Um, we want to talk about rockabilia.com, our awesome sponsor. They've been a sponsor for a long time now and are continuing that relationship. Frankie over at Rockabilia has been sponsoring the network as well as Peer Pleasure. And uh, just a fantastic group of people. I know I say fantastic all the time, but uh, it's just been in my wheelhouse. So rockabilia.com, over 500,000 items all licensed through the artists, all made, uh, you know, here and not a knockoff. The knockoff stuff that shrinks up on you, uh, it's quality shit. It's it's uh, it's absolutely the best in the business. And, uh, you know, I've used Rockabilia way before they were sponsored of this show. And uh, I'll be using them as, as even after they stop sponsoring the show. So check out Rockabilia.com now and uh, get yourself some merchandise. Also, Stumptown Coffee has been sponsoring the show as well. Uh, check out Stumptown, StumptownCoffee.com. They're out of Portland, but they do mail order, and you should try them out. A lot of bands talk about it as well, uh, as you've heard on the show. So uh, things have been crazy busy, as I said before. Uh, we've been able to get episodes out every week now, but you know things have still been insane with work schedule and family and everything else. And I appreciate you guys sticking with me and uh, coming back week after week, getting all the feedback, the emails. We're getting emails every day. Uh, just you know, letting us know what you guys think of the show, guest ideas, things like that. And I love getting that from you guys, and I really appreciate having you week after week. So this is a good one, and I don't want to take up too much more of your time with my my babbling, but uh, check out rockabilia.com, check out Stumptown Coffee, and check out the rest of the shows on Jabberjaw, and don't forget to pick up the new Sword Record, Used Future. It's absolutely amazing. You will love it. So let's get into my conversation with Kyle Shutt from The Sword. Oh, 
Yeah, thanks for calling, calling yeah. in, man. Yeah, absolutely, man. Curran uh, uh, sent me an email on it, and he's like, hey, would you have interest in, in interviewing the guys from The Sword? And I was like, hell yeah, I would. So that kind of came out of nowhere. I was like, wow, that's that's cool. So oh, Awesome, yeah, yeah. Curran just started working for us recently. Um, I was he, he worked with us um, on the Warp Riders uh, cycle back in, like, uh, 2010, I guess. Okay. Yeah, and um, we kind of wanted to try something uh, different, kind of like more indie, and uh, for this time around with our label, so we're like, we give us some money for some PRs. <laughs> <laughs> so they let us do that, so it was good. Excellent. <clears throat> yeah, they're good dudes over there, and, and uh, I've done some stuff with them before, and, and uh, I think JP, uh, Justin Pearson from, from every band in the world uh, works with them too, yeah, and, right. and so that's how I think I got introduced to them was <clears throat> through him, and, and uh, yeah, they've been a good outfit, and, and uh, they work hard, so... I mean, it's competitive out there. So, oh man, yeah, it's I, I'm I'm mystified by how difficult it is to exist as a band anymore these days. It's it's uh, so different than it used to be. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, it's it's something that's uh, I I come from the music world as well, but the whole different side, like from than where you guys are at. But um, mm-hmm. you know, a, a touring musician for a long time, I uh, played with a band called Anatomy of a Ghost, and then uh, a band called Portugal the Man for a while and uh so like whole different side of the world from you guys but um it's it's but, but, but the same you know you're still playing like festivals and clubs and theaters and shit all kind of different you know shit all the time and, you know sure sure a lot and, of time there. Yeah. yeah exactly and so I, I definitely understand but i've been out of it for about oh seven seven or eight years so i mean things change so fast i'm just fascinated how mm-hmm. any band is still going to tell you the truth i i know it's uh you just have to hit the road that's the only i mean that's always been the answer but it, now more than ever yeah uh, you have to hit the road exactly you're basically a, a t-shirt salesman like a t-shirt and uh oh, oh yeah yeah i've said that many times yeah i just i just happen to play guitar exactly <laughs> <laughs> That was always a running joke before that, oh, yeah, we're just selling T-shirts. But that was when people were still buying records, mm-hmm. but now it's mm-hmm. literally you're selling T-shirts. <laughs> we're lucky, man. We have a, a fan base that just, like, loves any, any kind of wacky, you know, vinyl pressing or color or anything. Like, we're 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 one of the lucky ones. I, I cannot uh, thank our fans enough, especially these days. Yeah. You know, for sticking by us. Because, you know, we, we've gone all over the place kind of musically at this point, and... Um, yeah, it really means a lot when people still try to show up year after year. It's yeah. been a long time. <laughs> it has been. I remember, I think I first heard the sword on stonerrock.com, I think. Mm. And, and that's something where... That was um, one of my favorite sites back in the day. Dude, oh, my God. I it was that. so I, awesome. They got, like, they got hacked out of existence, basically. Really? By, like, haters. Yeah, I mean, that was the story. Like, they just lost so much shit because, of, like, just some bullshit, you know, like, internet fucking hacker kid. You know, it was just like messing, and it was just—it was run by some couple, I think, and they were just eventually like, you know what, never mind. But I—that was like my source for finding out about new bands. Yeah. Uh, back then, like you know, two thousand two, two thousand five era. Exactly. I had no idea. Like, I moved down from Alaska to start touring, and so like we had uh-huh. very limited access to a lot. Of, I mean, I, I found a lot of like punk rock stuff up in Alaska, mm-hmm. but. Moving down here, getting with a buddy of ours who did the artwork for our first record, introduced me to ISIS, and which completely oh, blew my yeah. fucking mind. And then I was like, there's got to be more. And so he's like, check mm-hmm. out this website, stonerock.com. And I just started cycling through bands and playing MP3s. And that literally like completely 180'd my entire 
musical socialization right there. <laughs> and I spent totally. so many hours on that website just literally searching mm-hmm. through bands. And that that's where I first heard The Sword. And, uh, that's awesome. Yeah. So, and then all the buddies started getting into you guys. And, and uh, yeah, it was just something that was always always there at that point because you guys have been around for a long time now it's just always something that's been there and uh always changing i mean you guys did a complete complete change like this new record is is fantastic but it's totally different and that's what's uh uh current sent me the the holics for it and it's uh absolutely fantastic man thank you uh yeah i think we finally kind of hit that point where we just sound like the sword I, I think I, people still compare us to a bunch of different bands, but but any if any of our songs comes on, like you know the speakers when you're like hanging out at a bar and you didn't know what it was, I mean the second Jay starts singing, it's like oh this is a sword, yeah, <laughs> you know it's just kind of like a, I think we finally kind of just solidified that. Sure, that and I think notion. you guys were on the cusp of it too back when you started. Where I think a lot of bands are emulating the sword now versus the sword sounding like other people. I mean I think it's 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 big enough now like, that. It's starting yeah, to really dude, cycle like, through. Like we stood out so by like so much back in the day. I think because like there was when we were coming up back in like four or five. Like the heavy metal scene was just all fucking brutal death metal and like just screaming in your face and shit. And like there were any any time we would tour and we got paired with like the local band, it would be just some like the gnarliest most brutal metal shit <laughs> you've ever heard and then like we go to towns now and like we get paired up with just like, just like little i mean god bless them but you know like bands like doing what we were doing like 10 years ago you know like half is good and i'm just like oh man guys just like <laughs> we, we we weren't the best back then you know like fucking, we were just trying you know i don't know it's, uh, I, I think it's funny it's definitely something i noticed though um sure. that has changed over the years yeah, and you guys, you guys recorded this new record, "Use Future," here in Portland, right? Oh, yeah, Portland, Oregon. Uh, that's where I'm Tucker at now. Martin, so, Florida. oh, that's awesome. Yeah, and so beautiful city. Uh, we loved it there. It was like a month vacation tour. Uh, I mean, a recording session. It was awesome. So you guys are from Austin, and you, so you're you're on the East Coast, right? So you live on the East Coast now. Uh, no, no, I, I was in Brooklyn for a little while. Um, oh, okay. Uh, then wh- whenever we found out we were going to have a child, uh, we thought we'd just take it back to Texas because I ain't trying to raise no baby in New York City. Oh, man. Jesus That's Christ, I mean, no. Fuck that. <laughs> I mean, it was fun living there. I would, I would move back fucking right now if I was a billionaire, but, you know, no, man. Not, yeah. not raising a kid there. Fuck so, that shit. So you're back in Austin? Uh-huh. Yeah, I've been back for about a year. Okay, so, year, and you said Portland was like a month vacation. I know Portland and Austin are very similar, but is it priced out of the out of the world down there like it is here as far as living? Oh, oh my God. Oh, yeah, don't even get me started. Oh, I mean, like, uh, like 10 years ago when we came off the fucking Metallica tour and, like, you just, like, you dump 40 grand in some 25-year-old's lap. I should have just bought a house then and just, Dude, like— Hold on, like, hold on like, a second. Please. We got to go back a second. Coming off the Metallica tour, there's very few people that can fucking say that. <laughs> oh, I know, but it was. It was we'll touch it was, on that it later. Was like a year of our, it was like a year of our lives. That, oh God, that was basically just on tour forever, just stacking. Because you know how it is when when you're touring, you're not really spending money; you're just making money. So then you come off of like a crazy two-year tour cycle, and you know you get paid. Yeah, and uh, but, but you don't think about shit like inflating property prices when you're 25 years old you're thinking about lsd and fucking yeah. <laughs> partying and shit exactly you know like, like yeah so it, it's probably a good thing i didn't buy a house back then because i probably would have just burned it down anyway yeah. somehow <laughs> but uh but yeah it is priced out of fucking control now it is uh, rent has just quadrupled 
Um, it's out of control. I, I, I feel bad for um, everyone that has just been here forever that literally is like packing up and leaving. I mean, like we're thinking about it too. Just, uh, you know, buying a house here is just a joke now. Oh, we, it's seems... Portland's the same way. Yeah, Portland's Portland's outrageous. It is absolutely yeah. outrageous, and it's it it's so similar to Austin to me. I think the barbecue is way better in Austin, but other than that, <laughs> it's it's really similar as far as the whole just like the hipster takeover and the uh, oh my god, so many ironic T-shirts everywhere. It's crazy. Like yeah, it, yeah it's it's wild, but it's happening summertime. everywhere. It's, it's happening in every cool city. I mean, like we go on tour and pretty everywhere that has electricity, basically, and. You know, it's over the last yeah, fifteen years, like Denver, uh, Boise. Oh my God, don't even get me started there. I said Boise has gone from like this little kind of valley mountain town to this like booming metropolis. It's crazy. I mean, just it's kind of like the big cities are kind of just blossoming right now. Just you know, and um, people, uh, I think they're just like seeing it's just the internet. You know, being like the most people's view of the world. You know what I mean? How many articles do you? read where it says like top 10 places to move like okay well let's fucking move there and then you do that for 10 years and well now you got half a million people that fucking live somewhere that didn't used to yeah yeah it's crazy i don't know it's probably always been that way though you know even even the fucking 1820s people were like oh fuck we got (laughs) there goes the neighborhood you know yeah (laughs) pack up the wagons we're gonna lose a couple of you but we're gonna get there yeah It's probably always been that way. It's just part of growing up, right? Yeah, exactly. I can see it in the world change. (laughs) Yeah, that's back before there was no birth control, so let's just have as many kids as we can (laughs) because we're going to lose a couple, so we might as well just stock up, you know? (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) Man. Well, Kyle, dude, I want to jump back way back a little bit and kind of get more of your story because, I mean, that's one thing that, that was really cool to me about this is I love the band. I love the music. I know nothing about you guys as people. So that was what was super interesting to me uh, was getting a chance to, you know, just chat. And uh, I wanted to just start at the beginning, kind of your childhood growing up, what your childhood was like, and, and maybe what kind of steered you towards music. Yeah, man. Um, I was uh, I was born in San Antonio, Texas. Okay. Uh, yeah, um, 1983. Uh, in a really tiny uh, we lived in a really tiny town, kind of like southeast of there. Actually, we lived in between two towns, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> between Natalia and Divine, uh, southeast Texas represent. Uh, <laughs> but we, uh, I, just, I grew up. My neighbors were my grandparents, and then the other neighbors were my great grandparents. Uh, we just kind of had like a little family kind of property. Oh, we didn't have any money by any means. I, I grew up in a trailer for, like the first eight years of my life. We okay. were just kind of, you know, some oil field people, um, just making money off of. Uh, you know, oil field booms, but there's with every boom comes a bust, and so you end up getting transferred around a lot and stuff. So we ended up living in the Midland, Odessa area okay. uh, when I was about eight years old. Um, remember, baby Jessica fell in the well. Uh-huh. You remember? I don't know that whole city. Uh, no, just, nobody knows that anymore. They just know the Friday Night Lights. Right? Yeah, yeah, that's where I have, <laughs> I have family in Odessa, so that's what they always complain about. Is, oh, weird. Yeah, yeah, man. Oh, you want a Midland uh, that's team? A, or a... That's a real phenomenon. But yeah, that's where I uh, kind of came of age i guess um okay. i was there from when i was like eight to like 17 okay and uh yeah i went to high school there um i, I found out uh i think it was like 93 maybe um uh, i found mtv on the dial okay like back when 
TVs had dials, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, <laughs> seriously, I was just like, I think it was like Spin Doctors playing or something. <laughs> you know, I was just like, something was Pearl Jam or Collective Soul or Spin Doctors, something like that. And I was just like, what is this? And because uh, I, I knew rock and roll from my, my, my dad, like he, he played a lot of like ACDC and, and Ozzy and stuff yeah. in the car. But um, that was the f- uh, MTV was huge in forming my musical kind of palette, just because it, it was like a little. It wasn't little at all. It was a big, it was a huge music revolution, just right there in your, you know, bedroom or living room or wherever. Yeah. And uh, there was uh, you know so many people at school like they weren't allowed to watch it, so it kind of had this mystique to it and everything. And um, I think it was like the next year or something. I was, you know, I was watching it pretty regularly, but um, uh, the video for Basket Case. Uh, okay. Green Day, Green Day yeah. came on and uh, yeah, and uh, I, I came on and uh, I'd see Longview and stuff, but just for some, I don't know why, but for some reason, watching the Basket Case video, I just thought, yeah, I'm gonna play guitar in a band, and I can totally do that. <laughs> that's I'm not gonna. That's it. My life's set. I'm I'm good. You know, so <laughs> anytime it came to like planning for education or anything, because my family was like, we're gonna go to college, and this was like. <laughs> I don't fucking know. I'm just gonna play guitar in a band. Don't worry about it. <laughs> don't worry. About you know, it. and they, they were just like, yeah, they, and they're like, well, you can, you know, they were super supportive of my decisions, but anyway, but financially, you know, they were like, hey, you want to do that? That's great, you know. And it was always super important to me to to go away from home and, and not come back just begging for money. You know, I I, I really truly <laughs> wasn't going to accept failure. Yeah, and um. Yeah, that was. I moved to Austin in, in 2000 uh, because of a. Okay, well, back it up a little bit. Um, I, I was really into like kind of mainstream stuff because of MTV. But then around like uh, I think 97, maybe somebody handed me um, uh, a Converge CD, like a Burn CD. I'd uh-huh. never even seen a Burn CD at that point. I was like, whoa, cool, what is this? And uh, it just it was petitioning the empty sky. Yep. And like I didn't even know where to get records like that or anything. I'd never because I, I knew like bands like Pantera and, and Metallica and stuff. And that was about as Sepultura was, was about as extreme as as you could get at the Circuit City in Midland. You know that we we really didn't have record stores there or anything. And uh, that was my first exposure to like extreme underground music. And I was like, what? There, there's a whole that people just do this. They just get in vans and drive around and fucking just do this. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, where do you where do you go to fucking do that? Um, I uh, I found out about uh, a record label called Robo Dog. It uh-huh. became Robotic Empire, but at the time it was Robo Dog. Okay. And uh, they had this they had this band on there called Employer Employee, and I thought they were fucking just the best band ever. And they were from Austin, and um, yeah, Austin was only like five hours away from Midland, so. I packed my shit up and, and moved to Austin. I was going to start a band. Damn. <laughs> so that kind of, uh, that was the beginning of it all, I guess. Oh, dude, that's so funny because we're like a year apart. I think I'm a year older uh-huh. and uh-huh. similar. Green Day was like, we used to practice in the, the two other guys from the band's trailer uh, in Alaska and we would cover uh-huh. Green Day songs and we would have competitions and one of us would sit on the couch and the other two would see who could play it better. All night long. It was crazy. Like, their mom would take off to her boyfriend's house, and we would literally, all <laughs> night long, we'd make tacos or something, and in the oh, dead yeah. of winter, play Green Day songs in the trailer. And then, you know, then my first exposure to really heavy music was Converge, but it was Jane Doe. Oh, and, man. Yeah, that was sick. Dude, I hated it the first time I heard it. It made me oh, mad. Really? I had, I talked the last episode I did of this show, I brought this up and I'll bring it up again, but I had Kurt Ballou on the show and I told him, I was like, dude, I heard Jane Doe for the first time. Everyone told me to pick it up and it made me upset. Like I gave it away. 
I was so mad. And then now it's one of my favorite records of all time. And he's like, yeah, I guess it's not for everybody. <laughs> I've had a very similar experience like with that, with a lot of my favorite albums. Like I really didn't care for it the first time I heard it. Yeah. Um, a lot of this, it's funny how that works its way out sometimes. Yeah. I went backwards. I got petitioning after I went back to Jane Doe, listened to it again, and was like, this is incredible. And, yeah, uh, totally. Dude, that's crazy. So, so you're in Austin. It's early 2000s. And when do you meet up with the guys from? Did you have other bands before the Sword? Uh, there was a couple. Um, uh, I started a band called Bloody Murder Weapon, basically just to get a demo. And like we were just into like really extreme like grindcore uh-huh. shit, you know. Um, and uh, there was a record store in Austin uh, at the corner of Twenty First and Guadalupe called uh, Sound Exchange. And that was just where all the cool kids hung out. And between there and uh, emos, um, back in the day, the old emos on Six and Red River, mm-hmm. um, that was that was just like the hangout. But uh, there wasn't really an East Side to Austin yet. You never went south for any reason. Also, I mean, it was really like a small town. Like it's not that big. Uh, uh, I don't know compared to other cities like Houston or, or San Antonio, even in Texas, you know. Sure. Um, and um, and God, you just, if you just go to shows. You know, five nights a week, you just end up meeting everybody. Um, and shit, I was just passed around my demo and ended up uh, in a band called Kids in Service to Satan. Um, <laughs> we, we would just play like house parties or like coffee shops during the daytime and like just set off firecrackers and like break shit. And like it was, it was really chaotic. It was, it didn't have a lot of, didn't have a staying power, but uh, <laughs> you set off like a bottle rocket in somebody's house. You don't really get invited back. Yeah, I but, can uh, see that. Yeah, at our last show, I smashed my guitar. It's the only time I've ever smashed a guitar. Um, I was just going for it. I was like, "Fuck it!" It's like a hundred dollar Hunter guitar that I got from a pawn shop. Um, okay, it, it, it was dying. Yeah. I was I was gonna do it no matter what. Um, but uh, and after that, um, some of the guys from that band that I was talking about earlier, employer employee. Um, they they had that band had broken up, but some of those guys were making a new band, and somehow I ended up like on the audition, you know, fucking list, and uh, we ended up making a band out of it called uh, Sea of Thousand. Terrible band name, but uh, sea we ended of up Sea of Thousand. Yeah, there's there's like one song on Spotify you can listen to. I think it's like some of the comp we did, uh, but uh, yeah, I was like 19. You know, I was like, super young. I was really really hungry to hit the road and shit, and and uh, that band just—it was really good. We did really well for like being a total like, hardcore band in Austin. Yeah, and uh, just playing like all the like road shows that would come through. But we never really hit the road. And um, whenever, uh, trying to think, whenever I met JD, uh, he was in a band called Those Peabodies that were on Tiger Style. I don't know if you remember that label back I in the don't, day. I don't. They, no. they were kind of—they um, were—they had some steam behind them, but he was kind of looking to do something heavier, and I was in this really gnarly band looking to do something a little more like rock and roll and uh, it just we just kind of had similar interests in that regard and just started a band that yeah he, he had a, a demo CD um, uh, of like drum machine kind of demos of like all the songs basically that became Age of Winters uh, that he gave me and and we just kind of started from there and uh, got a drummer from uh, Virginia named Trivet Wingo who uh, used to be in a band with JD back in Virginia when he was there and uh yeah it was uh that was it that was like 2003 Halloween 2003 okay yeah interesting cause, then, uh, yeah, that was the beginning of the sort of our first show was I guess like March of 2004 
What's going on, guys? This is Dewey from Peer Pleasure, and I want to tell you about our newest sponsor, DistroKid. DistroKid distributes your music across all online platforms. They are an amazing company. I've enjoyed working with them the last few weeks, and they're going to be with us for a while, and I really, really appreciate that. I love working with great companies, and DistroKid is one of them. Uh, they have an awesome thing they're doing right now called Splits. Now, if you're working as most people are online, doing collaborations with people from all over the country, all over the world, as easy as that is with the internet, uh, you want to get those people paid when you put that music online. And splits can do that. You can add an unlimited amount of collaborators to any track. You can change the splits at any time. You can add or remove collaborators at any time. You can see previous splits. And all your collaborators are going to have to do is sign up for a DistroKid membership, a DistroKid account, so they can get paid. And as always, DistroKid never takes a cut. You and your collaborators get 100% of the earnings in total. A couple other awesome things that they do is they set up an official artist YouTube channel. Uh, you can use Spotify Canvas, synced lyrics, promo card to promote your release on social media, a mini video for your socials as well. There's just so many awesome things about using DistroKid. And like I said, I don't advertise things I don't use, haven't signed up for. I have signed up for this. It is a breeze, literally a breeze. And you can get going right away. So definitely check out DistroKid. And I want to give you 30% off your first year's DistroKid membership at any level. That is distrokid.com slash VIP slash PPP for Peer Pleasure Podcast. Once again, that is 30% off your first year's DistroKid membership at any level. distrokid.com slash VIP slash PPP. Go check out DistroKid right now. distrokid.com slash VIP slash PPP for 30% off. I don't think it overstates things to say that the Beatles were the greatest gift to entertainment and culture of our time, a secular religion, if you will, with their universal appeal and demonstrable impact on people's lives. I'm Robert Rodriguez, host of Something About the Beatles. With every episode, I speak with historians, musicians, artists, and Beatle witnesses, all in the service of fresh insights into the most joyous cultural entity the world has ever known. I hope you'll join me and listen to Something About the Beatles, now at Evergreen and wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, what's up? My name's Lurk, and I'm the host of Lamb Goat's Van Flip Podcast. Every week, I have in-depth conversations with bands from all over the scene, big and small. We also like to keep our finger on the pulse and showcase up-and-coming bands on the show as well. So come check out Lamb Goat's Van Flip Podcast. Hey, guys, this is Dewey from Peer Pleasure, and I wanted to tell you about Premium Pleasure, our premium subscription service that's available now. Peerpleasure.supportingcast.fm is the website. There's three tiers, tier one, Tier 2 and Tier 3. Tier 1 is $5 a month. It gets you the ad-free experience. Tier 2 gets you access to the Peer Pleasure Passcast. It gets you access to the videos of the interviews. It gets you merch discounts. Tier 3 is $20 a month. That gets you all of that. It gets you the Passcast, gets you the video footage, discounts on merchandise, and monthly Zoom calls well, with myself and other guests. We're going to have all kinds of stuff in there for you. There's all kinds of stuff in there for you now. There is, uh, I believe, 30 to 40 videos of these interviews. There is uh, multiple episodes of the past cast. The past cast 
is a podcast that I'd started separately that is me and another podcaster or me and a guest uh, discussing a deep dive into their favorite episode of Peer Pleasure. Um, so there's a bunch of those on there. So so-and-so and I would talk about the Chino Moreno episode. So-and-so and I would talk about uh, the Yvette Young episodes. And we would do a deep dive and tell where they came from, how we got the guest, stories of uh, that weren't discussed on the podcast or maybe weren't in there. Um, it's just another glimpse behind the curtain. So that's the big deal with this premium service is giving you a glimpse behind the curtain of how the podcast is made, gives you access to things I'm doing and things that we're doing with the show, um, gives you, you know, ad free stuff. It gives you just all kinds of, of things that we could throw in there to help make it a valuable part of your month. Cause I put everything out there on this show. I put everything I have into this show. Um, so being able to give you guys that little bit of extra is a big deal to me and having your support is a big deal to me because if we don't support our artists and creatives, we're not going to have any left. So I appreciate it. Peerpleasure.supportingcast.fm is the website. Go sign up today and get some of this premium pleasure. Wow. Okay. I, yeah. Man. Yeah. That sounds about right. Timeline wise. I was trying to think back when i first discovered it and it, it's around that time because we were already touring and th that's when i that's when we met up with aaron um aaron used to sing for uh or play guitar in a band called harkonnen um and mm -hmm. himsa and uh uh he's the one who turned me on to that stonerock.com website and <laughs> changed everything but, uh yeah man so so you guys start the sword you should have you should have had a career in naming bands, dude. That was fucking crazy. That was JD. That, he he came up with that man. That was all him. Uh, that was the best band name ever. I think it was the last good band name. And he was just like, okay, I'll take that. Yeah. <laughs> God damn. So, how long did it take you guys to to hit the road with the sword? I mean, you guys started playing. He already had some songs done. I mean, do, or was it really collaborative from the beginning between you two, or or did you come into it, learn those songs, and and those were the songs that started writing? You know? Right, right, yeah. I mean, I, I co-wrote maybe one of the songs on the first record. So, I mean, okay. and JD is, is the main songwriter, always has been. Mm -hmm. um, and the, the rest of us, you know, like come together and create lots of music. But really, the the at the base of it all is, is JD's songwriting, and um, uh, so. I think yeah, we started playing clubs in '04, and then in early '05, we got invited to go on tour with that band, and you will know us by the Trail of Dead. Oh, the really long uh, band, awesome. man. yes, yeah, yeah. Call them the Trail of Dudes. The Trail and, of Dudes. Uh, <laughs> so Dudes wanted to take us on tour, <laughs> and uh, it was very, very nice of them because they just uh, Conrad, their singer, just saw us in a club one night and said, "You guys are great. Do you want to come open our tour?" We're, we they said they wanted to do a tour that was like taking Austin on a Saturday night, just on the road. Because mm -hmm. you would go see us at like seven ten, and then you'd go see Octopus Project at you know some other club, and you'd end up at Emos watching Trail of Dead. So they just wanted to like take that aesthetic on the road with like three completely different kinds of bands, and I, I think that's an awesome way to tour. Yeah, and um, a huge opportunity for for you guys. It, it, yeah, and because uh, we already kind of had a uh, a label interested in us, and then we were on the trail of dead tour without anyone else's help. It was just like, they were just nice enough to give us the tour. So that really made it, made the, um, I don't know, made the fires hotter, you know what I mean? For people to want to, <laughs> uh, get in there and, and make a bid. Um, so we, we always had leverage, which was really fortunate for us because that's one thing you just fucking can't buy. Yeah. Um, 
And uh, so that was good. We got a really good deal, you know, for a band that was, you know, trying to do what we were trying to do. Uh, just like we we recorded our own album, you know, like the, the first record, like the, the label was taken a long time, like getting their shit together with the contract. So we just went ahead and did it ourselves. Wow, <laughs> and okay. by the time By the time they got it together, it was, it was the record was already done. So it, was, it went kind of fast. I don't know. It, it was a long time ago. I'm trying to remember the order of events. Um, because I guess the record, the first record came out in February of '06. So I guess from our first tour in March of '05, so it, it took about a year to get it all together. Okay. Um, but then the record came out, yeah, um, in February of '06, and we just hit the road and, it, and never looked back. Like I want to say, like in the summer of '07, we finished a, a Japanese tour with Lamb of God, and uh, we were like, we came home, we didn't have any more tour dates booked, and we were like, holy shit. We just did like a world tour. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, what, what the fuck was that, man? Let's you want to do it again? You went to like, Japan know, that soon like, too. That's what's one, crazy. You know? yeah, so yeah, so it's just we just got in that habit of make a record, go on a world tour, make a record, go on a world tour, uh, and stuff. But um, yeah, it, the Age of Winners tour was crazy though because we went from nothing to you know like being friends with Metallica and shit and like hanging out. With, Fucking Lars drinking Patron and saying like we're gonna take you guys on tour like yeah okay like, yeah whatever man <laughs> cool yeah and then he, he like helped us load our fucking van and shit you know he was like this is weird man like wow <laughs> what <laughs> but uh yeah yeah um but they 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 were the most generous people imaginable I mean like for a band that doesn't have to take a, an opening act out at all yeah. you know for like the rest of their career like they they really care about music and, and, and new bands and, and and making sure that those bands are taken care of and I just I, I, I can't uh, I can't thank them enough for that man so how did you get hooked up with Metallica was it through Robert no it was just um, we read in a, a magazine article I think in like Rolling Stone it was like Lars's favorite new band or something like that Maybe it was the sword but he, I mean, back then we were like, I don't know, maybe his publicist just said that because we're cool right now, or so. I don't know, you know what I mean? Who knows? So you didn't you know, buy it. You didn't buy means. it originally. You're like, ah, oh, maybe it's just something. Well, I'm just like, who knows? I, I don't know. Maybe it's real. Maybe it's not. But we, so we started putting it on our guest list every night, just as a joke. They're <laughs> 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 so like, well, put him, put his ass on the list. You know, he, you know yeah. Who knows? And um, oh, this is funny. Once so we're in Toronto one night. Uh, then we played a show, and this guy comes up to us. He goes, "Hey, you guys, a sword?" I said, "Yeah." He goes, "You're not going to believe me, but I'm Sebastian Bach's brother." I was like, "You're right. I don't believe you." <laughs> but go on. He's like, "Well, anyway, we were hanging out last night because him and Lars are really good friends. And uh-huh. Lars was with us, and we just kept talking about you guys. And we were like listening to your record like three times. It was awesome. Love you guys." I was like, "Wow, that's okay. <laughs> Maybe he is a fan. I don't know. Fuck, you know." So and then on that same tour, like two weeks later, uh, we were playing in San Francisco at Slims, and uh, Lars fucking showed up. And he was super nice, and uh, yeah, like hung out with us in the alleyway all night uh, because the Trivium kicked us out of the dressing rooms because they heard that there was going to be a VIP guest there, and they didn't want any of the other bands downstairs in the fucking dressing room. Sorry, Trivium, that's oh, what you God. get when you act like fucking dickheads. Anyway, uh, so but Lars heard that we weren't allowed to go hang out in their dressing room, so he's like, "Well, fuck it, we'll just bring all their shit up here." So he like <laughs> went and got all their beers. And chairs and shit and brought it out in the alleyway behind uh, Slim's. And yeah, we just like <laughs> drank all their beer all night. And then he helped us load our van and fucking 
sent us on our way. Uh, but the next time we, we played there again, like six months later, he invited us out to his house. And uh, dude's got a fucking nice pad, man. Very, very generous, man. Yeah. Uh, can't, can't Lots of artwork that. and everything. I'm, 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 yeah. Okay. Yeah, totally. Okay. And so, and then Every, this all just you'd progressed into, <laughs> no, we're actually going to take you on tour. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Like, we went to his house, drank, like, two bottles of Patron, which is, like, five in the morning. And he, he was just like, we're going to take you on tour. I'm like, okay, I'm okay. Like, <laughs> dude. I mean, I didn't believe him, but uh, yeah. We, so we we finished our second record and then um, uh, booked a world tour. But then, like two weeks into it, we got the call from Metallica asking if we wanted to join up with them for their whole Death Magnetic uh, campaign. And um, they offered us the first to three slot for as long as we wanted it. It was a two and a half year tour. Holy and, uh, shit! Yeah, we lasted about a year before we just crumbled <laughs> under the pressure it's really hard to keep up with a fucking band like that you know um when you're just i know it sounds stupid but like when you're riding in a bus and stuff it's, it's not easy living yeah um and you do it for like fucking you know three weeks on two weeks off four weeks on two weeks off six weeks on two weeks off it's just you know after like a year you just get fucking burnt out sure and uh we we had to we had to bid them farewell, but they they laughed. They were like, "Oh my god, we didn't think you guys would last six months." You know, a year. <laughs> Jesus Christ, get out of here, go! <laughs> and but they promised to take us to Australia uh, whenever they did that part of the tour, and they kept their promise. Like the, a year after that, whenever it was time for them to go to Australia, they called us up and, and took us out there. That was super nice of them. Dude, that's they're really solid dudes. Yeah, that's bad. and that's a huge goddamn opportunity too. I mean playing to that many people what were you guys received as i mean was it was it good or bad it was, it was different night after night i mean sometimes you'd play an arena like full of like eighteen thousand people or like a field with like sixty five thousand people in it and you're like what the fuck oh you know and it was God. like amazing and then, and then some nights you're playing like the megadome in london that has a mall attached to it that everybody's at the mall and like you're playing like a completely empty arena you know it's, oh like, it's just it was a coin flip, man. It's just like sometimes in Leipzig, you know, there's like just nothing to do but go to the Metallica show and people lose their shit. But then sometimes you, you know, and you play Little Rock at the fucking IHOP arena and people are eating pancakes. You know, I don't know. It's like, <laughs> it's different, man. Arena different. pancakes. That's fucking great. <laughs> <laughs> man, so that's, I mean, you guys just have been handed some badass opportunities. Like, I, I run yeah, across I mean, like, that every once in a while where it's like, man, this band is just like blessed with, with just the opportunities that come along. Because some people, I mean, well, most people, it doesn't happen to. That's and but you guys capitalized on all these things. Like you had jumped on, yeah, and you know, like, for. absolutely. Like we we worked really hard. You know, we took advantage of a lot of opportunities. But I, you, you can't knock just the amount of sheer dumb luck we had. Um, just because there's like we came in right at the time when MTV was just stopped playing videos like for good, mm -hmm. you know, and uh, yeah. they, they played us, you know, a couple of times, and we really, you know, had some good results out of that. But uh, you know, just we we kind of bands are you're on your own now, you know. So like anytime you get thrown a bone like that, it's just the just a blessing from above, man. Sure, <clears throat> but it, the, the cool thing about it is, it's still up to you guys to make it happen. As far as like it's true. anyone could go on tour, well, not anyone, but any technically anyone could go on tour with Metallica, but mm -hmm. they could just suck every night, be the worst band ever, and it would totally. get them nowhere. You know, like, <laughs> it, but you guys like jumped on these things, but you had 
substance. You had material that was good, and that's what I think was the magic there. It just all kind of clicked because that many people are seeing something that's really good. You know, a good amount of them are going to latch on. You know, I mean, did you see like a huge spike? Um, you know, in in all around from that Metallica tour, did you see like really noticeable results, or was it kind of like? this man's badass and then people saw Metallica and then just kind of forgot. I mean, was it, was it a lot of that? No, I mean, it, it was, it was good. It was a really good reception all around. I mean, I, I it's hard to, to reach, you know, the, those people kind of like uh, in the, the tippy top row of an arena, you know, when you're just like some little unknown band, but you know, I, it was, uh, it was a really awesome time of my life. And yeah. uh, <laughs> I'll never, ever fucking forget that, you know, being 24, 25, just on a fucking world tour with Metallica when, like, 10 years before that, I was just like, I want to be in a band. Yes. You know? <laughs> That's pretty fucking crazy. That is crazy. And then your parents probably got on board and were like, holy shit, he's doing it. Yeah, my grandma's always been a huge fan. She got to see the show in Houston when we came. It was the only Texas show we'd done with Metallica, and she, she got to see it. She was fucking stoked. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> And now, I mean, you have I mean, after everything that's gone on with the with the sword until now. I mean, now when touring's more important than ever, you have a family. So you have oh, yeah. married, married it's, with kids, it's crazy now. Mm-hmm. Or kids. and uh, it, yeah, yeah, just the one. We're, okay. we're one and done. No okay. way, man. Our bass player has two kids. One and, and done. I don't know how he does it. <laughs> Fucking oh my god! Yeah, it is a, a totally different thing uh, touring when you have a family. But uh, it kind of it kind of flips. Usually, tour was like your work mode, and when you get home, it's like you chill out. Now it's <laughs> home is like you're on twenty four seven, and tour is like, whoo, all right, yeah. take a break for a second. Jesus Christ, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> tour is the relaxing time. God yeah. damn, yeah, I know how you feel. I have three kids, and and uh, I Ooh. I wasn't touring when I had three kids, but I I don't know how I would do it. I just don't. And it, but I mean, yeah, it's a whole different story. But the the being away just seems like i mean i'm home every night now but but like just being away that long almost seems awesome at times you know like god damn it why can't i go out for for two or three weeks right now you know but uh, yeah yeah i could just see it getting exhausting a lot quicker than than it would before but but uh yeah that's insane that just these just these few opportunities you've mentioned are like things people would get their <laughs> both balls for, you know, like it's... I, I know. And I'm only 35 <laughs> now and I feel like I've lived like five lifetimes in the fucking time that we spent on the road. It's, it, we, I mean, we went for like 10 years without stopping, you know, yeah. and like, then you kind of do that. And you're like, Whoa, what the fuck? I just spent my whole twenties in a van. Like Jesus Christ. Yeah. Uh, but I, I got to see, I mean, pretty much everything I'd ever wanted to see as far as, like, live bands go or anything. Like, I mean, I'm really spoiled. I shouldn't complain no. about anything. Well, you still, ha- you still have the right to complain. But, I mean, you've gotten to meet probably a lot of your idols that you grew up, you know, listening to. and mm-hmm. and uh, But not just, like, at some maybe a fan level, but probably they may be fans of yours as well, which is so – such a mind fuck because, yeah. you know? Like you yeah, we definitely like, had oh, some of those nights band. where you're like sitting around where you're like, God damn, like <laughs> I, I don't know, it's it's uh, hard to pick out a moment, I guess. We're just like, I don't know. One one of my favorites was um, the meeting Del Funky Homo Sapien. It's just because I, I love playing shows with like all kind of different acts and everything. But yeah. like whenever you, I don't know, like 
like bond with somebody who's like on some completely different musical plane than you. You know what I mean? I, I think that's cool. Sure. Just over some weed, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, I was having trash talk, like, met over some weed. It's just kind of funny, like, some of the, the common ground that uh, a lot of musicians have. Like, no matter what kind of music you play or how old you are or anything uh, like that. Sure. I, I attribute it to, like, uh, with, like, celebrities and stuff, where once you become a celebrity and have some notoriety, your pool of people you can actually be genuine friends with diminishes greatly. And it's this, yeah. like, insider group. That, okay, wait, totally. how much money do you have? Okay, we can be friends because you're not trying to get something from me. or You know what I mean? Like, it's almost like a yeah. prison sentence. Like, it's like, okay, these thousand people can be your friends, no one else. And it's mm-hmm. just weird. But, and, you know, people say, don't meet your heroes or you'll be let down. Have you been let down? Or, I mean, are you pretty much stoked on all Sometimes, of it? Sometimes, you know, um, every once in a while, you're just like unimpressed, I guess somebody yeah. i'm not gonna name names but it's just like i think it's unfortunate but also like you know i'm a total asshole sometimes so, you know if you catch somebody on the wrong day and the wrong mood or fucking who knows yeah i don't know i try not to get wrapped up in it but sure um uh, but yeah you know like, sometimes you meet you're, somebody you really respect and you, like really like one time uh <laughs> we did this tour in australia um did you ever do a sound wave? Do you remember those? Yeah, I remember. Sound you were probably wave. on Big Day Out. Yeah, Big Day Out is the is yeah, the it, was, it was yeah, yeah, but uh, it was kind of like one of the other, you know, just like a touring festival kind of thing. And uh, Monster Magnet was on it. We were huge Monster Magnet fans. Okay, and uh, we were just like hanging out backstage, and the dressing room like, man, I wonder, I wonder, what, should we go find them, or like, do you think they'll be around or something? And then right then we hear this knock on our door. And it's fucking Dave Lindorf, like singer from Monster Magnet, just like, hey, you guys a sword? Oh fuck, God, I love you guys so much. I'm so it's just a pleasure to meet you. I was like, get the fuck out of here. Are you kidding me? Yeah, it's just kind of every once in a while you get dropped one of those moments or something. You know, it just makes it all um, all like the fucking ninety-seven hours of flights that you had to do like worth it. You know? <laughs> sure, sure. And you mean you find out a lot about yourself out there too. I mean, you find out mm-hmm. kind of what you're made oh, of. Oh yeah, you know. And you really do, man. It's it's not for everybody. And you find out what your friends are made of too. Sure, <laughs> sure. Yes, <laughs> you do. Yeah, yeah. You can't choose your family, but you can kind of choose your band, I guess. Like depending mm-hmm. on where you're at. <laughs> but well, well it's, it's weird. Like the the uh, the three guy uh, Jimmy joined in about seven years deep, but he's been in the band about seven years now. Uh, but the uh, me, Brian, and JD are all three only children. So it's kind of, we're kind of like oh my God. the closest thing we have to family. It's weird. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you you're just want a, a brother so bad, and you don't get one, right. and then all of a sudden you have three or four. <laughs> and then you're older, so the, the fucking battles hurt worse, and the, mm-hmm. the arguing and the bickering right. and all that shit. Well, you guys, mm-hmm. you guys, one thing I think you guys have done really well uh, over the years is developed a brand. Like, even though every record's different, I mean the the but from the artwork and the aesthetic and everything else just has a feel to it and that's something that I've I've noticed you know since the beginning I mean it's just always it's kind of like an ambiance and it's a name that, you know and like and also too we wanted to change like we didn't want it like there there are many different kinds of swords you know uh, there's some are you know intended for battle some are ornamental some are ceremonial mm-hmm. So I mean, you know, so it's like, it was kind of a thing where like we didn't want to get locked in this bullet belt fucking spike metal fucking thing, you know. And sure. especially like the old logo. Like if you look, uh, JD pointed this out. If you look at the first five Motley Crue records, and maybe even beyond that, I don't know, but they uh, they all have a different logo. 
Like, they never got locked into, like, one thing. Yeah. yeah. As far as, like, branding is concerned. So that was kind of always important. Like, we wanted to make sure our merch was top-notch, like, better than anybody else we were on tour with. Because, fuck, man, it is a battle out there, dude. Fuck yeah, Like, we just trying to, like, yeah, you know. And, and so as we've always paid really close attention to that and and our business and everything. I mean, I, it's it, almost like having to become a businessman was, like, secondary. You're like, oh, shit. Um, <laughs> how do you open an account? A what? A CP? What? Uh, oh shit! You know, so you end up having to learn so much more uh, about business and, and how to run finance uh, than when you just you know we're ripping bongs when you're 17, being like, yeah, we're gonna jam, dude. <laughs> yeah, you gotta find. That's what I mean, a lot of bands think too. Yeah, you gotta be on top of it. I mean, it's somewhere if you don't have a manager or anything like that, you know, straight away. I mean, you're figuring out where to find the you know, the best quality shirts for the cheapest price for one. And then, yeah. you know, yeah. printing and or printing yourself even. Some people do get that that mm-hmm. crazy about it, just trying to, to make that extra buck. But, I totally. mean, you guys have always – I guess I guess what my I was meaning is I, I wanted to know, and you kind of answered it, if, if how much you, you put into that as far as if that's something that happened naturally or you put in the effort and wanted to make sure everything was the way it was. And, and – like you said, you guys, you know, paid very close attention, making sure your merch was the best and and everything else. I mean, have you guys stayed with the same artist uh, for like you know the different records and kind of kept the same person, or has it been you know a lot no, of different people? No, quite the different. Yeah, we just we're constantly moving. Like shit, like we'll stay with somebody for a little bit, you know, but then it's just on to the next thing. Like we're just kind of one constantly. I just think it's important to to have a completely new product line every time you go off the tour. Sure. I've seen so many bands just take the same fucking shirts out over and over and over. Like, I just, I'm not naming names, but I, just like a random punk band or something, you know? Like, I just, I just you see the merch table and you're like, man, I saw that fucking 10 years ago, yeah. which is cool. I get it. You know, some designs are fucking classic, but I just, I don't know. That's always been important to, to us, just to have it all be different all the time so that it's, 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 there's always, like, I, I don't want to sound like I'm preying on people, but there's just people out there that like want to buy shit. They're like, you know, I want the new shirt. Yeah. That, you know well, what I mean? If, and if you're at that show, if you went to all that trouble of like getting off your ass and going to fucking Chattanooga and setting up your shit and playing a show and, you know, that guy that wants a new shirt, well, then give him fucking new shirt, you know, or whatever it is. I don't know. It's just kind of like we, you have to have a business mind as well as the, the art mind. And separating those two is, is the like <laughs> when you're on stage it's like okay it's time to turn business you know what I mean but then after the show sometimes you know you might have some sort of discrepancy and you gotta turn the business back on you know so it's, it's like kind of shifting gears a lot as long as you get really good at shifting the gears and you know get driven too crazy sure and you keep the fans you know the fans happy and, and yeah that's that's true you have something new someone's gonna buy it I mean and you guys do like the merch uh, mystery bundles or whatever when a tour's over with the excess merch like a uh on oh, the yeah. store and stuff to get blow rid of out, that. Actually, yeah, blow out store, sale. yeah, yeah, or just like whatever, like you know, in the tour sale. Man, we I mean, it's, we kind of have it down to a science at this point. Um, I, I could bore you with all the, the spreadsheet details, but it's you know, we pretty much keep an average running of like what we sell every night, so we kind of know how much we're going to need to end the tour with. So we always plan for a reprint, mm-hmm. and the reprint is like pretty accurate. So I, I can get it down to like just a handful of boxes that that are left over at the end of the tour, which is pretty good for us. Yeah. That's impressive. I mean, to, to have that side of things rolling too. I mean, um, and then, so like when you guys, you know, touring's the, the, the way of the world now with music, mm-hmm. 
-hmm. Are you guys going to start doing some of the, or maybe you already have like the VIP stuff, but are you guys on board with that? Kind we're, of thing? Yeah. For the, for the first time, we're going to do that on this upcoming tour. I think it's going to be fun. Um, I, I mean, this, it's just one of those things where it's like, well, if you want to guarantee your chance to like meet us and take a picture and everything, then, you know, yeah, here you go. Like there it is right there, you know, just because, you know, it'll probably happen otherwise, you know, who knows? I don't know. Sometimes, especially me, he's probably, and, and, and the bass player, Brian will, you know, get up and mingle, you know, go across the street to whatever bars over there and have a drink and, you know, talking to people anyway. But, you know, it's just one of those things where, like, if you want to guarantee meeting us, like, yeah, you know, buy, buy the ticket thing. I'll be glad to sit down with you for a second. Sure. And that's Make like, sure you get a picture. And it's super sign whatever interesting you to me because it's, it's yeah, you can run the chance of, of, you know, running into you somewhere where maybe you're, like, you know, got to be on stage in five minutes and you're rushing around and someone's like, hey, man, and then you run the uh -huh. risk of, oh, wait, that guy's a total dick. No, he was he had to take a shit and he had to play it, you know, yeah, in five right, minutes yeah. and trying to find a bathroom <laughs> with a door. And you know yeah. people get that yeah. snapshot of time from you and, and that can uh -huh. change everything. It's fucking crazy. Totally. <laughs> it's absolutely crazy. Well, let's talk about used future and and I I want to definitely make sure people are gonna pick this up because this record is badass. It's a it's Thanks, a man. complete change, which is I mean, it's something that just keeps happening, but it's just good music i mean it's it's uh it's something when he sent me that hollocks i was like i know i'm gonna like this record already before i before i put it on but i put it on i was like holy <laughs> shit this is rad like i didn't know what direction it was going to go in and uh this one's a lot more rock and roll and uh you know probably what you were talking about earlier how you wanted you know just to play some fucking rock and roll i mean that's exactly what this record is and uh you know recording in portland the writing process, I mean, were there things you changed on this record as far as your approach? And, you know, did you choose Portland for a reason, or was it mainly you cho you chose Tucker? Well, yeah, we chose Tucker, and also Portland is a lovely city. We've always had a wonderful time there. Um, but uh, we And we've also been sort of chasing this dragon of wanting to let a producer work our album a little more heavy-handedly than, than because we're, we're kind of control freaks. Uh, you know, we're just like four producers in there already, you know, so you get a fifth guy in there and then if you don't trust him or, or whatever, then it's just, you know, I don't know. It's just, we've been looking for this chemistry that we're comfortable with. And I think we finally found it with Tucker. Um, and just the fact that we can, we went in like purposefully half-baked, uh, no pun intended. They're like, we only, we had about half a dozen songs that we were just really happy with. And we were happy with leaving them as they were basically like not working on them too much before going in. And then we had a bunch of other just instrumental kind of musical pieces and stuff that we were wanting to incorporate into some sort of like cinematic experience. Okay. You know, just have a, have a record to like float up and down, you know, a lot. And, uh, and Tucker did the, the, uh, my more, the, my morning jacket record, the waterfalls that was just, I thought was super lush and, um, uh, cinematic word of the day. Um, but it was, and he also he's done so much like stuff that that would gel with our kind of sound too. That we that I, I was into that. I was like, yeah, let's get the guy to do fucking modest mouth. Yeah, he's a sword record, and all the fucking metal guys will go, oh, I hate it. But then they'll hear it and they'll be like, oh, this is amazing. Yeah, and uh, yeah, so we're always trying to challenge our fans to just broaden your mind. You know, not just stay. Like the sword isn't going to be the same thing twice, so just enjoy us for what we are now, because I promise you it'll change really soon. <laughs> yeah. How does that influence your set 
you know, every night? I mean, are you playing primarily new stuff most of the time, or you go back to the classics? We haven't played yet. Um, uh, our first show is coming up in a few weeks, so that, I, I'm interested to see how that's going to turn out because I really have no idea. Okay. Um, uh, I mean, uh, some of these songs we like wrote in the studio too. Like there were a lot of the parts like we improvised and stuff. And uh, yeah, honestly, I'm not even really sure how to play some of them. So yeah, I'm really interested in like. <laughs> I'm always like. Are you there? You got me? Oh, yeah, I got you now. Okay, sorry. No uh, but, you know, I, I was kind of like shied away from, from that kind of uh, thing where it's like, oh, how, how can you write in the studio and not know how to play it? Like, really, I don't know. Like, we'll, we'll get around to it. Like, <laughs> you play that and I'll play this part and then we'll kind of do it that way. I mean, it'll be easy. We'll, you know, we, we get going. But uh, we don't all live in the same city anymore, so it's not like we have, you know weekly band practice or anything so sure we kind of work in phases like whenever it's time to play shows we get together rehearse and then go play shows because the only way to like the only way to get ready to play a show is to play a show yeah like you really have to just we try to book some like smaller ones up front usually and then uh that way like a week into it you're already like playing the you know like kind of bigger markets but you're already like kind of slick and uh but but this time we decided we'd stream the first show uh, live on Facebook to the whole world. <laughs> first show of the tour. Like, oh, this is a fucking great idea. Yeah, perfect. Yeah. Let's do oh, it. Oh, yeah. This will be fucking awesome. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. But it, just, it gives me a reason to like, put myself in shape. So. Awesome. Well, man. Good. Well, Kyle, dude, I, I really appreciate you coming on the show, man, and, and being so candid and, and and just talking shit and, and loving it. And <laughs> it's uh No man, thank you. Thanks for having me, really. Dude, absolutely. And I just, I don't want to take up much more of your time. I just want to uh you know, wish you wish you the best of luck and, and uh if you guys are coming through Portland, which I hope you are, I haven't seen the the dates or anything, but I will be there and, and uh Yeah, eventually. Um I don't know if it's on this first round for, for whatever reason, but yeah, I know we're gonna be there. Um, before too long because I mean, that's just like I, I mean I think it's so hot every time we play Portland it's just y'all have always been fucking awesome to us from back in the days of Dante's to yes like, Dante's we for bodies and, <laughs> and just I mean just we played just every club you probably could yeah there and um, love it every time we'll always be back that's awesome, man, and and uh, yeah, best of luck to you, man. And and the new record, Use Future, is absolutely fantastic. Um, we'll uh, we'll work it out. I'll try to play some music, hopefully, on the show, and and uh, hell yeah, this will be out in just a couple weeks, so uh, should be about perfect. But um, dude, really, it's been a pleasure, and and uh, best of luck to you, man. I really appreciate Same it. Same to you, man. Thank you very much. I really appreciate it. Too. All right, brother. We'll talk soon. Yes, sir. Take right. care. Bye-bye. Bye, bye. All right, guys, thanks for listening to my conversation with Kyle Shutt from The Sword. Their new album, Used Future, on Razor and Tie, comes out this month of March, and you need to check it out. Check out the songs that are already on Spotify. There's a bunch of stuff up already, um, and I hope you guys really enjoyed this conversation. Don't forget to check out rockabilia.com. Don't forget to check out Stumptown Coffee, the other shows on Jabberjaw, and go back and listen to old episodes of this show. If you're just coming to us for this episode... We've got over 70 episodes of some badass people and a lot of conversations. So if you like the show and you're a first-time listener or a new listener, definitely go back and listen to those old episodes. I think you'll have a good time. And as always, we will see you on the radio.
Hey there, I am Johnny Christ from Avenge Sevenfold, and I've got a podcast called Drinks with Johnny you're going to want to check out. I sit down with a bunch of different people from all different walks of life, from professional wrestlers to actors, comedians, fighters, musicians, everything in between. I'm just looking to make some friends and have a good time doing it. So if that sounds like something you're into, go check out Drinks with Johnny, streaming everywhere now.